India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Good evening everyone recording for the week ended 17th of December 2021 The Nifty's closed down for the week and it's followed a pattern it was you know down for 2 weeks then it was up for 2 weeks then it was down for 2 weeks then again up for 2 weeks and now it's closed down is it going to continue down for another week is it going to continue in this pattern on the spiral downwards and that's i think the big debate on the street people have either have forecasts stretching all the way from 16400 to 15500 and then there are probably a few like me who still think maybe we are just going to make a double or triple bottom at the lows below the 17000 mark now there's a reason to think that not only extremes in sentiment that were originally existent but you know when you scan across stocks i was getting a sense that momentum is slowly building into individual items and many of them have already pulled back either to daily or weekly averages now that case continues because even if i look at a big cap like reliance industries it's sitting at the uh, 40 week average and i would hope that doesn't break because it would sort of break a lot of trends if uh, prices continue below this level now of course we've also closed below the 20 week average uh, after a lot of time especially on many of the broader market indices that had not done so earlier with the nifty and that also is giving us sense of negativity at today's close because we've sort of broken uh, what looks visually like an upward slanting flag but we haven't really made a lower low below the last swing low that we really made so this is going to leave us in a fix till monday and uh, i'll be watching closely for uh, you know whether the momentum really continues on the way down or not but somewhere hard of hearts i still feel that's not going to happen so let's see if it happens or not uh, what if, what i've really done though is uh, i always pay attention to the big picture when i'm looking at the small picture the small picture can of course change from week to week for example i thought the entire post october consolidation would have been a triangular pattern which is what i mentioned in my uh, you know live interviews on cnbc as well that you'd see a triangle uh, between october and november what you ended up getting is a downward slanting Uh, channel which ended up pushing the nifty much lower and uh, which is why it broke 17600 and now we are dealing with whether it will still go below uh, the previous low that we made at 17000 uh, 16800 odd so this is the uh, this is the uh, thing that we really need to answer but more importantly uh, what is our approach uh, to this market because my approach has been that you know it's broadly been a bull run from the start of march 2020 and i've tried to participate on the long side so most corrections have been small uh, less than 10% i think only the first pullback that we got uh, in april of 2020 was a little bigger into uh, you know the may low uh, which was slightly i think maybe just short of 10% and this particular correction has come within that uh you know in the vicinity of that uh, correction itself otherwise all the ones in between were actually smaller in size maybe 5 6% at the most so here we are looking at a less than 10% correction but the sound bites are of the market having made a major top or having started a crash and so on and so forth and that's why uh, you know this uh, uh, you know uh, makes me queasy to really think that should i really take a bear stance this early in the move and how do i really call a trend reversal on what's almost now 6789th uh, now this is this is the ninth week closing uh, where the market is actually down and it's actually not lo- lost that much ground as yet so i'd really want to give it more time because what's 10% i mean i've 
been there long enough uh, in this market i don't know how many people have really seen bull and bear markets over a time horizon so long of course people older than me but uh, a lot of the new new guys who are stepping into the market or probably spent the last 5 years or came in only after the uh, gfc as we call it now which is the housing bust in the us or the 2008 crash whatever name you want to give it you've really not seen a two three bull and bear markets and what i would say as a bull and bear market is some serious bull and bear markets okay uh, i mean i'm talking about the likes of 1992 uh, which i think was the most serious bull market i've still seen to date uh, and when i talk of 1992 which means i'm talking of a time when i was probably 20 years old and i started tracking the markets only in 1990 uh, which is just around the gulf war uh, period and uh, what we really saw at that time was very wide participation by the public at large because people had gotten enthused about equities after they'd been introduced to it through uh, UTI's uh, equity mutual funds and the US 64 scheme. And once it got popularized, you had master shares you know, floating around and then people started to buy direct equity and then IPOs. You had a huge IPO market post the reforms that we did in late uh, 1991 so that was a very interesting period and got everybody interested in uh, equity markets but the subsequent bust in the mid and small caps uh, you know lost that crowd and then you really needed a new crowd to come in in 2000 and 2001 so which is why the subsequent bull runs while there was a bubble in 2000 did not always feel the same like the one that that you actually witnessed in 1992 but if you have to come closest to that feel i think it is in the time period now even though there's a lot of similarity in terms of macro when we study dollar commodity cycle and all with 2002 uh, when we look at the participation people coming back opening accounts and you know starting to trade equities at a self level rather than through mutual funds which is what they were doing uh, through 2014 to 2020 that's where the similarity with the 1992 period actually comes in because uh, that's when a lot of people were opening accounts and trying to get into market so that's i think the big big trend the macro trend it's happened now for more than a year which is uh, and i called it out i think in early 2020 that this is not a one-off as some people are saying that this is a bubble sign uh, the bubble will build over time but this is a sign of something new happening uh, which is going to get wider and wider in terms of participation before you can say it has reached epic proportions in terms of investor participation at a national level so that's something that's happening below the surface but while all that is happening, uh, we are in what I would call a long-term bull market and a very, very different one in terms of nature because people who've even been around for, I think, 15 or 20 years, say from 2000, have not seen a bull run of this nature where you don't really get steep corrections. Because even in 2002 to 2004, we had pullbacks, uh, like 2004, we had a 61% retracement of the rally and the rally saw the index doubling in less than six months. Now, we aren't seeing that pace of advance, but at the same time, we are seeing the same percentage of advance uh, over a period of time. And we are not seeing those kind of deep pullbacks as yet. And so that is why uh, the nature is so different that you don't want to really jump the gun on calling uh, something is in or over. What you really want to do is take sectoral calls, you take stock-specific calls where rotation is happening, where the momentum may be lost or where in Elliott wave terms, as we call it, a five-wave advance is complete and it's pulling back and you want to really do some asset allocation shifts. That has worked. I mean, there's been a time where Reliance didn't participate in the market and the market still went up and now it's attempting to participate again. We've seen the same in the auto sector between July, August, September. We've seen it in different sectors from time to time. The metals, which was red hot, uh, you know, the participation across metals, the metal stocks slowed down after July. 
I didn't think it would, but I remained focused on other parts, which is like aluminium and copper stocks, like Indalco and uh, you know Nalco, which continued to do do well all the way into October. And then you're seeing a sort of a, a broad-based pullback in the metal sector. So this is this is something that's happened, which is a rotation in terms of specific stocks or sectors. And that nature of the market uh, sort of tells you that you can't really take an overall call that you know everything's going to fall apart because something or the other might continue to do well. Like even in today's market, where everything was in doldrums, the IT sector was breaking out of a downward sloping channel. And uh, so, if the IT sector momentum continues, there you have a sector that's actually beating the odds. So that's the approach uh, that has worked. And if you're uh, going to move away from that approach then you probably miss out on what's really happening in the market or you'll end up selling stocks that are really doing well for you uh, thinking that this is going to be a big market correction and you'll end up getting out of what you should have been holding on to for the, those long-term multi-bagger gains so uh, the approach that we really need to take is different that's very much clear and uh, if you want to understand uh, then uh, where are we in terms of the economic cycle because that's where it goes back to you think about growth you think about what's really happening right now the government's doing fiscal deficit now tapering and the discussion really requires you to understand it from the quantitative cycle perspective few people pay attention to that it's there in every technical book uh, but not really explained in great depth and i've spent time understanding it and applying it to the indian market so you can read the indian economic winter reports that i've put out there and this month's long shot report, which I published last weekend, is an important timer because after having written about the economic winter through 2011 to 2018, I haven't written another one on the uh, you know follow up. And the question has been that, have we really progressed? I mean, are we still in a winter? Are we in a spring? Where are we within that cycle? And I've tried to, in fact, I've given my view and explained that in this month's report. So I think an important read to know uh, what's really happening and what the governments are doing. And the last two weeks were important because uh, while I've written about all of that, there are events happening that are so related, which is what have all the central banks done over the last 10 days. So I think that's uh, that's important. Okay, tomorrow also we're going to be doing the weekend with India charts, live recording. Uh, and by, by live, I mean, of course, uh, we don't have people participating live, but uh, I and Chavan record that uh, real time. We discuss markets. He tries to throw all the tough questions at me that probably he faces from you know people that he speaks to people who are reading our newsletters and then uh, I try to revert on, uh, revert on those so it, so it gets really interesting because uh, every time the market whipsaws a bit and you get something a bit wrong there are there, there are a lot of tough questions and people get agitated you know expecting that you're supposed to be right all the time uh, and especially since when you've had a winning streak for you know eight to nine months but unfortunately October was a uh, tough month of I mean not October I would say November was a tough month because of uh, some illness that, that I contracted and then after that once I got back I'm essentially looking for where the market will bottom and that's sort of now taken a couple of weeks out and which is why it's painful and why am I looking for lows because like I said right at the beginning my approach has been that this is a bull market and when you are getting not such steep corrections I mean uh, you can I mean if I have to say that I, I had picked most of the big sell-offs that occurred in 2002 to 2008 like the 2004 crash that occurred around election time and, the, and those were steep sell-offs you know you got 20-30% sell-off in, in a matter of months that type of thing is not really happening right now which is why I don't really see 
the big short side opportunity it's it's like there are some nimble opportunities i'm not saying that that didn't happen but i'm trying to pay more attention to uh, what will be the long uh, side opportunity so in that sense uh, the way i end up trading is long exit long exit long exit rather than long shot long shot long shot so after having run a long shot fund for very very long the approach i'm really taking here is of doing a long exit because this has been a pretty powerful uh, moving one way bull run for quite a while now of course uh, and this correction also while it feels steep because of what has happened in stocks uh, the index itself like i said has been less than 10% so i am looking for signs of something bigger uh, to certainly complete or certainly be happening uh, and unless i can see that I'm, i think i'm not going to step away from uh, the current posture that i have and uh, so that's what we'll discuss we'll discuss uh, in the weekend uh, the tough questions as to you know where we are in the structure what should we expect in terms of price move and levels so we get into detail and with sectors uh, what what i want to really discuss now in, uh, before we close this out is what are the events that have happened over the last week i think it's been all about central banks last week it was rbi and this week it's been all the global central central banks that have taken policy decisions and what does it really mean for us because uh at the center of it all i think my whole thesis of being right on the market was based on what the dollar was doing because in in the depths of 2020 the dollar index ended up going right back to where it had you know started down in 2017 january uh, that is it had, it had reached uh, 103.8 or so if i'm not wrong and in march of 2020 the spot dollar came very close to that level by a, by a few points and then uh, made a sort of double top and rolled over but it didn't go beyond that and that's a very important factor because it was in 2017 that i thought the dollar index is ready to roll over into a, a multi year bear market now the progress has been slow uh, meaning that it has managed to sell off and then rally back strongly each time and having done so uh, it has given a sense of feel that the previous dollar bull market is still there and so that's led to a pretty good debate on you know, on twitter among analysts Uh, with differential opinions, both both based on fundamentals or technicals, uh, and people have taken sides on where the dollar is really going to go. So uh, it did fall between 2017 to 2018. Uh, then it rallied back uh, in the crisis period, uh, slowly and steadily through t- uh, 2020, and then uh, you know into the crisis. But it didn't surpass the previous high, so that was important. And in doing so, you know when you look at commodity stocks or you look at commodity prices like copper. none of them really made a lower low compared to uh, where they were in 2017 and 2020 so copper didn't break the low it made in 2017 neither did stocks like hindalco tisco or jindal steel and so that sort of reverts with the idea that you know you you'd started making that trend change long term uh, in what i call usually the wave one wave two value phase and then you've gone gone into the growth phase after 2020 for particularly for that sector and that's what i thought has happened with the dollar itself it started a third wave and so it should have been pretty one sided like most of the previous declines we've seen in the dollar index in the last uh, you know couple of decades but that's not what has happened we ended up getting a counter trend bounce is what i call it in 2020 people can still disagree but it's had two three swings on both sides so it initially rallied into march then it sold, started to sell off from there into the uh, you know end of first half of this year probably june and then again it started to rally into uh, you know this this part of the year so it's because it's had these up and down moves each time it's peaked i've thought that it's going to start down again it did fall for a while so i appeared to be right and then it went up again so there was a nice debate on on uh, twitter 
uh, with a particular gentleman who was trying to spot that no you've been wrong with the dollar this year like and yeah sure i mean what i've really been trying to do because none of us are really trading the dollar index what we are really looking at doing is uh, get this thesis right that which side of the dollar you're really on so that you're positioned rightly for all of these asset classes and one of the reasons that i've uh, you know looked at every time i've looked at the dollar and thought it's counter trend apart from the elliott wave structure has also been the way most of these asset classes have behaved for example asia did well for a while uh, a lot of the emerging markets were doing well of course they've cooled off like brazil has cooled off a lot but india was showing no signs of that happening so for me the rising dollar was essentially not an issue as far as india was concerned and the same was true within the commodity space as well copper continued to do well june july and even when it paused aluminium prices did well zinc prices went higher coal prices made uh, made new 52 week highs and so on and so the activity across uh, the commodity segment you know it may have shifted but continued in some of the segments all the way into october and so that is why it didn't really make sense in paying attention to uh, what was the rising dollar so i kept looking for when it's going to turn down which is uh, which is still something we are looking for a final confirmation i do think that people have gotten finally over positioned there because all the longs in the euro have now been unwound so you don't have significant long positions in the euro and uh, in fact you have short positions based on the cot commitment of traders report not as short as it was at the bottom but definitely short positions so that puts us back in a spot where you can get the turnaround but you want to really see it not just on daily momentum but weekly degree and last 6 to 7 days sort of it's been inactive you know so uh and the usdnr actually moved moved with the dollar so fast that its rsi hit 80 and i put out a post on that so it also got overbought so i think ahead of the fed event what ended up happening is everybody positioned into uh, everything from the dollar one day before you had copper prices crashing you had gold and silver falling and so all of all of these things reached an extreme because uh, the way the fed has been communicating its message on what it's planning to do 6 months in advance and then suddenly 2 weeks in advance it says no i'm going to go faster than what i said that all asset prices have already discounted and started to correct based on what they were already talking about and and so right after the event you actually seeing some of these moves start to dissipate and reverse to the other side the real question is are these moves going to reverse in a meaningful way are you really going to see the dollar roll over or not because people would think that if the fed is tightening okay which is what uh, some people would think of tapering as and then hoping to raise rates at a later date then the dollar should continue to remain strong what i would want to do is take a step back and then look at what why did the dollar really go up over the last 6 to 8 months if if they were really weakening it in that time period they were still buying bonds why didn't the dollar go down so the reason it went up is the relative strength of the us and the relative strength of the us was predicated on the whole idea that they were supplying this liquidity by buying 120 billion dollars worth of bonds till now when they are going to start to taper so uh, we've also seen this in the previous tapering and previous exercises at you know moment they stopped qe qe1 or qe2 uh, history shows that bond yields which were rising at that point of time actually started to fall and the reason the market behaved this way which is very different from normal expectations is that uh, when they are doing qe they t- uh, the markets actually take it as positive that fine liquidity is coming in asset prices go up and when asset prices go up people allocate into equities relative to debt which means they sell debt instruments and they buy equity instruments this is what has been happening as far as us equities are concerned so i'm talking about the us market here and so when bonds fall and equities go up essentially you see bond yields going up so at the time when qe1 or qe2 are actually going on 
people are selling bonds and buying equity so yields are going up and when then yields go up too much uh, the fed backs off saying fine we have enough growth we don't want this anymore and yields start going down the exact opposite of what you would expect you know and which is what you're seeing over the last uh, you know couple of days or uh, maybe a week or so is bond yields for the 10 year have started to go down and this is where it gets unique you know so uh, when you back off you actually get a reverse move of what has been happening uh, then then relative to what has been happening before so what should the currency market do so now let's see what the currency market has been doing as of now which is it has been going up and the reason it was going up is us equities were doing better or the us economy was doing better and why was it doing better because of the funding that was being taken place so if that funding has been pulled out expectations are us market should decline bond yield should decline and that's that so where should the money go which means it should leave us shores the dollar should start falling the reverse of all things should happen but now you put it in perspective of what all central banks are doing and this is very similar to what they did even between 2010 and 2018 which is not all central banks were taking the same actions at the same time they were passing the wait in you know it was like passing the parcel around you know okay first i do this then you do it then you do it like first the us was doing qe1 qe2 when they stopped qe2 and it looked like okay will the economy slow down uh, and then economy was still pacing along and then europe had its problems you had the greek crisis and then they bailed it out and then you had mario draghi come out and say we'll do whatever it takes and which essentially meant they wanted to weaken the euro and then japan came out and said okay we are going to you know come out with this strategy and it was called the three arrows and they were essentially trying to weaken the yen so the dollar was rising at that time period not because the dollar was getting stronger which was the deflationary force uh, that we would think of but because uh, japan and europe were essentially starting to weaken their currencies after us had completed to do it you know not at the same time and then once they had done that then us came back and started to do qe3 and then you had donald trump who came and did tax breaks and so on and so forth so you had this progressive move where you know you're passing the parcel first i do then you do then i do then you do and so that back and forth was causing the currency currency move to continue in a particular direction then pause then continue in that direction so now what you're seeing is us was doing doing its you know bond buying program so the us was strong dollar was going up now so initially it weakened because bond yields were uh, you know were really low at that point of time uh, and so that caused the dollar to fall but eventually it started to rise as many other economies were actually not doing as well as the us maybe they were not stimulating as hard or they had other problems related to the pandemic some places cases were rising much more especially asia so most of asia didn't participate in this emerging market move and so uh, uh, the emerging markets that really did well are probably these the commodity based ones like russia brazil canada and india has a rub off on all sides because it does a mix of different things from it to commodities cyclicals and uh, you know various other businesses so it sort of gets the positive rub off of everything and so it behaves very differently from uh, from the rest of southeast asia now uh, following the fed's announcement you have the ecb saying we are going to double their bond purchases okay so despite everything and they can of course say the reason is they have more covid cases and so on they're doubling their bond purchases whereas us is going to zero by march and they're going to double it and keep it up till there till october and then go back to 30 billion a month now this is the strategy announced strategy japan has followed up saying we're going to continue doing our bond purchases at the same rate keep our fund rates at the same which is minus 0.1% interest rate so basically and india rbi has said yes we need to support our economy we're not going to raise rates all the central banks except for the us and the bank of england uh, so you have those two which are tightening okay 
and you have everybody else who's weakening versus earlier you had the us weakening and the dollar rising so now you have an opposite situation where i would start to guess that why shouldn't then other economies currencies start to rise the dollar starts to fall and you start getting a dollar weakening environment again which was how this whole thing started which is essentially what i'm saying so and i'm turning the whole argument on its head versus simply saying oh well if us is tapering and you know uh, rates are going to go up the dollar is going to go up that's like an economic argument you know written in textbooks ki ye hoga to ye hoga rate badhta hai to dollar badhta currency badhta hai though if those things were, were to work those things worked when you were not in a free floating currency environment you are no more in a free floating i mean you are in a fixed rate currency environment you are no more in a fixed rate currency environment which is controlled by governments you are now in a free floating currency environment free floating currency environment looks at where the money is going so if the money is going to the us the dollar goes up if the money is going out of the us the dollar goes down it's very simple okay so my sense is they're passing the parcel again okay of course you need to give it a couple of days you saw the market reaction yesterday one day after the fed once the bank of england i mean england and then the ecb made their announcements the euro actually went up the dollar fell for the day and the bigger shock came in commodity markets you saw gold suddenly turning around from what was looking like a continuously falling market copper trying to bounce back aluminum even today is uh, shooting off and what we but we want to see whether the currency market moves that we saw for a day because today again you're seeing the dollar sort of flat for almost two weeks i think it's in the same trading range so we are really not seen a clear cut reversal you want to see that okay the commodity markets are giving a sign that maybe that's coming back but you want to see it overall and if you do then have we really changed the whole situation from what you think is the fed fighting inflation which is the headline which is what you want everybody to hear from a political standpoint but it's simple, simply the uh, you know passing the parcel game where one central bank says i'll provide the financing and if i can't you do it and let everybody else do it because i am done for now and i am getting blamed for it so you can take some of the blame but we still need to continue to stimulate our economies whether the fed does it or all the other central banks put together do it so this is the context in which i am painting the whole inflation picture the purpose of that uh, continues to be the same which is to try and inflate away the debt and if we are doing it by passing the parcel and if it shows up in the currency market moves the way i've talked about it in this podcast then what you should be seeing essentially is a move back to outperformance of emerging markets relative to the developed markets so with that i think uh, i'll leave it at this podcast lot of things for you to think about and we'll see whether this all plays out exactly like this and go out and read the long shot report get an idea of the quantitative cycle where we are in that cycle now and in the weekend with india charts we'll discuss the current market status so all of that coming up in the next two days at india charts you can simply sign up for the insiders and get hold of all those resources thank you nothing in this podcast is investment advice views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work please consult a registered financial advisor for the same And yes please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge